Hello, hello, welcome to, of course, the Griff Talks Football Podcast. Uh, hope your holidays will continue to go well. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas break. You went a wonderful Christmas Eve and a wonderful Christmas Day. Um, of course, playoffs are now around the corner. And, of course, this is the daily episode, which I review last week's games. And then I preview the ones coming up. And then I will also preview about my next um, episode, which is episode 9 of my series, One Take. So, in one of my episodes I did the previous week, I mentioned about, you know, just talking about the, the playoff picture, but I wanted to make that as my last episode for the series of, of One Take. Um, so I've, I'm almost up to 10 episodes. Of course, I just mentioned episode 9, but rather episode 9 is going to be, uh, about potential head coaching jobs coming up in the NFL season it could be going up from going from four to eight jobs uh this year um and not all of them are just on losing teams some coaches may retire uh or they may be you know sub 500 record and maybe some firings who knows but i just i wanted to kind of like speculate about that and then my last episode which would be the the following week we'll be talking about the official playoff picture talking about how each team has has made it there in in, in thus far and and so forth which I'll explain in more detail once I upload my episode 9 of one take uh this upcoming weekend so nevertheless thank you for listening to those thank you for consistently listening to these uh daily episodes I release every Wednesday but let's uh let's get to it shall we starting with reviewing these games talking about last Monday night's game between the Packers and Vikings and to sum this up, Vikings offense was off balance without Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has been their uh, featured back. I mean, they have other good running backs, um, although not as fantastic as Dalvin Cook. Um, and when you lose your number one guy for a game, um, it's not as though you have to abandon your offensive game plan. It just probably won't be as effective. And it also depends on the O-line. Like, for example, with Dallas, despite all the inconsistencies, you know, there's been some games, even in the previous seasons, where they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, who, again, is is a fantastic running back. They have a fantastic O-line, and they can make any running back look good. But the thing, what separates currently between, you know, Tony, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott is, um, the, the strength or even physicality as well as the speed and of course experience. Experience helps. And although this is Dalvin Cook's second year, he's by far, and again, not as experienced, but he's by far their most effective weapon. Yes, they got Stephon Diggs. Yes, they got Adam Thielen back for that game. But your that offense with the Vikings with Kirk Cousins as the quarterback is not a pass-heavy offense. It is, hey, let's run our gap run, power football, do play action from there. You know, we if we have to go pass-heavy, we got the weapons to do so. But it, again, it's not it's not their identity. And he only had two good drives in that game against the Packers where they scored a meager ten points. Right. First touchdown they got, it was a beautiful throw to Stephon Diggs. And then the next drive they got was a field goal. And after that, they didn't do much. 
And their defense throughout the first half forced three turnovers against the Packers offense. That Packers offense has been notorious for starting off great in the first, second, maybe in third drives of the, of the, of the game, most particularly in the first half. And then they don't do as well in the second half, but they made adjustments following the second half and they scored uh, enough points to win by two possessions, which I believe the end, the end of the score was 23 to 10. But that Packers offense, despite, you know, having turned the ball three times, their defense was able to not allow Vikings offense to be comfortable with their identity, to force them to pass the ball a lot, which enables their pass rushers or even a lot of blitzes, if they wanted to call that, to be able to get after Kirk Cousins, which is what they did. But with the Packers offense, they didn't lose key players. They still sucked her identity. It just took a while for them to actually um, get it going. Of course, you... You have to call or at least make different adjustments in order to help your identity get going, which their identity is zone run scheme. Aaron Jones had over 150, had, uh, had 150 yards rushing or actually 154 yards rushing with two rushing touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers, he threw over 200 yards and a pick and he threw the ball, I believe, 40 times, but he got to a point where later in the game, later in the fourth quarter, they got the run game going. Uh, but nevertheless, again, as the Vikings have clinched the playoffs because of the Rams lost, as they prepare or at least rest your players most likely in that Bears game coming up this weekend, they're going to hope to have Dalvin Cook back for their wild card spot because they're stuck at the sixth seed no matter what. They're, they will either play the Saints, maybe even the Seahawks, Maybe in the Packers again, or maybe the 49ers, depending on how those weekend, weekend games go, which I'll, again, will mention when I preview these games coming up. So, again, no matter if it's Packers for a third time, no matter if it's the Saints, which that would be a difficult opponent to play against, no matter if it's um, the Seahawks, which even though they don't have a great defense, they have Russell Wilson. And you certainly don't want to play catch-up with Russell Wilson if you're playing from behind. Because um, if you mess up and you get the ball back, then it only makes it more difficult for your defense to make stops against, again, another phenomenal quarterback, Russell Wilson. And then, of course, you have a great overall roster with fantastic players on both sides of the ball with the 49ers, and you certainly don't want to play against them. If they somehow still claim division and get the third seed, um... And so forth. And and so again, as I wrap this up, the offense has has been unbalanced in that game without Cook. If Cook was in the game, maybe the Vikings would have won. I'm not saying they'll just rely heavily on one player. I'm just saying their identity would have been most effective had he been in the game. Moving on to Chiefs versus Bears. Uh, Chiefs defense looks good as of late. The past couple of games, they only allowed, which I believe the past six games, they only allowed a point average of 11 point point, of 11.6 points per game. So, they played against the run in the past as of well as of late. Their pass rush is beginning there. Uh, two quarterbacks. They haven't allowed as many third down conversions or even, again, points. 
Um, but you also have to consider the opponents they played against. They, you know, played against the Raiders a couple weeks ago and they whooped them. All they did was stop the run. Um, and then Derek Carr did not play well. Um, this game against the Bears offense, it was Mitchell Trubisky who has been inconsistent all year. Same thing with Matt Nagy and his play calling. So you have to look at their schedule and look at the opponents that they faced. Now, again, it's nothing to take away from this defense. I'm just saying if they played another team that had more phenomenal players and much more consistent when it comes to their own offensive game plan and what their identity is, I'm not sure that it's going to be easy or I'm not sure if they're going to be able to have an opportunity and be able to make them the opportunity of only allowing certain amount of points. Because if they go against, you know, the Saints, for example, or the 49ers, which both teams run the ball well, and if your best bet has been the pass rush and your run defense isn't able to do anything, your pass rush is going to get neutralized and your secondary is going to be suspect. So, again, not saying the defense isn't good as of late. They've been... I'm just saying they play a phenomenal opponent with a phenomenal coaching staff. It's most likely going to be a shootout. Or most likely going to be the Chiefs offense trying to play from behind because their team, their defense struggles to stop the run. And they'll have another tough test despite the team being notorious for turnovers this year. They'll play against the Chargers this week and they do have phenomenal running backs. Next up, Cardinals versus Seahawks. Seahawks defense didn't stop the run. You would think that with the offensive system that Cliff Kingsbury has established there, which everyone calls it the air raid and everyone's so excited about this term, it's literally just a pass-heavy offense that has been changed or at least inspired by the run-and-shoot offense. Of course, there's you know route options in any offense now. Uh, but again, it's relying heavy on the pass because that's your identity. But for whatever reason, they were able to establish the run with no problem. And you would think with that offensive identity that they have, which is passing the ball a lot, you would think that they wouldn't necessarily have formations or necessarily skill set uh, to run the ball for almost 200 yards against the Seahawks defensive line, even the front seven. But they did that. And the Seahawks offense didn't get anything going. They lost uh, 27 to 10, I think. And, I, or no, I'm sorry, 27 to 13. Even Kyler Murray was out for the rest of the game. They had Brett Hundley um, play, and the, the Seahawks could not contain the run whether it was a quarterback running or a Kenny Drake running or someone else in there, they certainly did not contain the run. And they also had significant injuries, such as their two running backs, um, Rashad Penny and oh, Carson, Chris Carson. And their left tackle, Dwayne Brown, despite being in upper 30s, is by far their best offensive uh, lineman. Again, plays left tackle. And you're essentially forcing 
to pass the ball a lot, uh, the ball a lot because you're trying to catch up. And that no one really talks about this, but they do have one one of the sack leaders on their team, Chandler Jones, who leads the league, I believe, with 19 and a half sacks after playing that game. So this was an upset that I didn't expect to happen. I thought it was going to be more so containing Kyler Murray and then, you know, forcing them to pass a lot, which is, again, that's their identity, but being able to have your pass rush get there. And because you have Russell Wilson and at least a good run game against a terrible Cardinals defense despite their pass rush, you would think that the Seahawks would have taken care of business. But instead, they lost. And so now... They, don't, they will not have an opportunity to, I don't think they'll have an opportunity to get the number one seed unless the Saints lose, Packers lose, and they win against the 49ers. But we'll see uh, what happens here uh, for this upcoming weekend's game. <clears throat> Cowboys versus Eagles. Why was throwing the ball your game plan? It was interesting. Dak Prescott had an AC shoulder injury, AC joint injury, and he threw the ball over 40 times against a team that their best strength is their pass rush. Their secondary isn't that good. And, and, and yet, and even their run defense isn't good. And yet you as an offensive staff decide to pass the ball over 40 times. And give Ezekiel Elliott, I think, a total of 18 touches, which some of them were receptions. So, obviously, it was not pounding the ball. That was their game plan. It was throwing the ball. Which I understand. You have good receivers. You have good pass protection. But, again, that strength of the Eagles' defense is their pass rush, which was evident because they got to Dak Prescott several times. They also, again, played a lot of zone, and Dak Prescott, when he threw, had missed accurate throws because he was dealing with a shoulder injury. So you would think that, oh, they have a terrible run defense, let's run the ball. Evidently, that was not the case. And then also, really, Eagles, all they had, on, all they had offensively was a bunch of unknown receivers they are not as excellent as other elite receivers or even as the Dallas Cowboys receiving core. But they had Dallas Goddard. Now, I would say Zach Gers, but he, he was hurt. And he only had one catch in the game. And, of course, Carson Wentz, that literally carried their offense. And Dallas didn't make any stops. They hardly stopped the run in some points of the game. They certainly did not contain Carson Wentz when he scrambled. And they certainly did not get to Carson Wentz on the pass rush. He made some accurate, sharp throws. He was able to buy time in the pocket and did just enough to score 17 points. And evidently that game ended up being 17-9. So the Cowboys are going to need help. They're going to need the... the the Giants to beat the Eagles, and then they're going to need a win against the Redskins to win this division. Otherwise, if the Eagles win, 
that game was basically Dallas's to lose, and they did. They had all the talent. They had the correct game plan if they stuck with running the ball, but they threw the ball 43 times. And the Eagles, despite you know having a suspect secondary all year, surprisingly played well. But again, playing against a QB that has a hurt shoulder, that kind of helps. And again, their pass rush was able to get to Dak Prescott. So I'm curious to see what Dallas would do this weekend. Raiders versus Chargers. Derek Carr was the key to this game. 26 out of 30. 291 yards passing with one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. And the game ended up being 24 to 21. Um, So the Raiders are still in the playoff hunt, but they really need performances like Derek Carr or a performance from Derek Carr similar to this in order to stay the playoff hunt, in order to at least obtain a playoff position if everything goes their way for this upcoming weekend. But evidently, as we've seen the past few weeks, they cannot just rely heavily on the ground. They're going to need to be consistent in their play-action attack. They're going to need to be consistent in their play in, in their passing attack. Um, so again, I pointed this out throughout the weeks. If you're just running, 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 but you can't do the other thing, which is you know, play action and connect on those passes or even be able to at least convert third and long being forced to pass, then that running game will mean nothing. And evidently the Raiders didn't run the ball as 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 well, but they were efficient in their passing attack. They did just enough to be able to, you know, keep the Chargers from winning this game. So congrats on the Raiders winning. They're still in the playoff hunt, but they're going to need another performance from this, from, like this from Derek Carr. Lions versus, Lions versus Broncos, meaningless. It's both terrible teams. Bengals versus Dolphins, meaningless, but it was an awesome tank ball. Um, Dolphins, I believe, are up 35 to, to 19 with you know, only two minutes left in the game. And the Bengals did just enough to tie the game, send it overtime. And then uh, Fitzpatrick and the offense did just enough to get a game-winning field goal to beat the Bengals, 38-35. to So the Bengals have officially locked up the number one seed. I'm not sure they'll take Joe Burrow. I'm not sure they'll take Jace Young. I'm not sure who they're going to get. But in this game, at least, they got four touchdown passes from Andy Dalton, who did just enough to help his team be able to tie the game. Uh, Fitzpatrick had four touchdown passes. He had over you know 300 yards as well. Um, so despite two teams that are already, again, weeks ago eliminated from playoffs, well, it was an entertaining game. Giants versus Redskins, meaningless. Saints versus Titans, Michael Thomas breaks the record which includes a win against the Titans. Michael Thomas broke the record with a eight-yard catch and then proceeded to add that record with a really a game, not game-clinching, but more so, oh, this is a touchdown that will effectively end this game, which it did. They won 38-28. And Michael Thomas currently has 
145 receptions. The original record was 143. And he's just an unstoppable receiver that, yes, sometimes he does not get 150 yards receiving. Or sometimes he does not get 20-plus yards receptions. But what he does is find room within zones, get off his man, break the double team, gets, you know, if he gets triple team, he's got other receivers that are now open because of how effective Michael Thomas is. And Drew Brees is also another effective quarterback. By far one of the best, if not the best quarterback in NFL history, based on what he's done in his past. But yeah, uh, it was a competitive game, but... The one thing the Titans could not slow down was Michael Thomas. And other players, this is Jared Cook, caught, caught a couple touchdowns. The run game for the Saints late in the half was effective. But, you know, again, the Titans were up 14 to nothing. But as soon as the Saints scored a touchdown, right back in the game, they made defensive adjustments. They stopped the run eventually, forced Tennessee to pass the ball a lot, in which... Evidently, passing the ball against the Saints defense is by far difficult because not only do they have a phenomenal pass rush, but their secondary is good when they don't have to worry about the run. And because that's the Titans' identity and that's what they rely on a lot is Derrick Henry. And once you stop Henry or at least slow him down a lot, you will force Tennessee to pass the ball, which isn't their strength. I know Ryan Tannehill has had a good season, but as I talked about in my one of my episodes in one take about Ryan Tannehill, the only difference between him and Marcus Mariota is that he's made the most of what he's got with the play actions. But again, the offense identity is running. It's not passing. It's power football. It's not always play action with them. You know, again, an example throughout the years with Saints having, with Drew Brees being the Saints quarterback, with Sean Payton being there since 2006, you know, their huge identity was throwing the ball deep, but a lot of it was play action. And they didn't do it, you know, sometimes there will be games where they didn't establish the run and they just go with play action because their play fake is effective and because they had amazing receivers, it didn't matter, which is why it was a huge reason why Drew Brees has thrown over 5,000 yards in a season five times in his career. Obviously, he's not going to throw 5,000 yards this year, um, they've been dependent on the run, but again, when you are effective in the run, you can call play action. And when you're forced to pass, when you have an amazing receiver, Michael Thomas and other key players, and again, with Drew Brees, you'll be okay. So again, congrats to the Saints beating the Titans. Congrats to the Michael Thomas beating that record. And uh, look forward to him extending that record this upcoming weekend. Ravens versus Browns, hardly any use of play action by Freddie Kitchens. Uh, just They had an opportunity. Everything basically was in their grasp. They had certain teams lose games for them to stay in the playoff hunt. All they had to do was beat the Ravens, and evidently they couldn't do it. They gave up 31 points defensively, which again is difficult for any team to contain the Ravens' offense. Or at least slow them down. And on top of that, again, your biggest player, your most effective player, or at least your most effective plays, were 
zone plays, and yet you don't go play action off of that. You go to RPO, you just go to pass heavy plays, or be in a series where you just call pass, 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 and not a run. Like again, inconsistent play calling and and not even situational awareness was the downfall for the Browns this season. Led, of course, by Freddie Kitchens, who will probably be fired after this upcoming weekend. Panthers versus Colts, meaningless. Steelers versus Jets. If the Steelers' defense allows 17-plus points, they're done for. They will lose a game. Now, granted, they only allowed 16 points to the Jets. The Jets' offense did just enough to win, but that Steelers' offense is just terrible. I mean, congrats to them to make the playoffs this weekend if they clinch a playoff berth. But man, that the only reason why the Steelers are even in this situation to begin with is because of their defense. But their defense allows 17 plus points, they lose because their offense cannot literally do anything. They'll be they'll get a big play here and there and then score a touchdown or score a field goal, but it's not it's not good enough to be consistent. It's not like they can sustain a 12, 13 play, 14 play drive for a touchdown. Other teams can do that, especially higher power, high powered offenses like, again, Baltimore or Saints or even Houston. And even New England's of late. They've had drives where it's 14, 15, and then score a touchdown. Steelers cannot do that. And they're going to need. Not only a win this weekend, but a Tennessee loss to make the playoffs. They're and they're going to need a lot more production from that Steelers offense because you cannot just rely heavily on one side of the ball to carry you. <clears throat> Jags versus Falcons, fighting for Dan Quinn. They won twenty-four to twelve. Again, this is a meaningless game for literally both teams. They can't make playoffs, but. As of late, in the past seven games, the Falcons are 5-2. and two. Their defense has been great. So, Arthur Blank, depending on how this weekend goes, if the Falcons go 7-9 again like they did the previous year, he's going to have the decision to keep Dan Quinn or fire him. And there's been countless interviews where the players have stood up for their coach or really want to keep their coach. So, this is going to be uh, interesting. Rams versus 49ers. The Rams are eliminated from playoffs. They also allowed two key third and 16 conversions, which ended up being their downfall. Um, late in the game, in which the 49ers won 34-31. to The Rams really needed this win. Jared Goff threw over 300 yards, but there was not an established ground game, really. Yes, Todd Gurley had two rushing touchdowns, but he had 48 yards on 15 carries. Again, other players got carries too, but it was not a 100-yard performance by by the team. Not even by the individual. And that's been their hallmark of success the past two years under Sean McVay when he was coaching since 2017 has been the running attack. And in this year, it has not been consistent ground game. It's been a lot of pass heavy, um, which that's okay. They have the receivers and tight ends to do it. They have a quarterback that can do it. But their offensive line is 
one of the mid-average or below averages in pass protection and even in run blocking. And when you don't have an athletic QB, which Jared Goff is not athletic, he cannot bail you out or even scramble for you if the pass protection breaks down. So, I mean, Jared Goff, he's been there since 2016. I'm certain he's going to get better for the following season. It just, it was a disappointment to see the Rams lose. I really wanted them to to be in the playoffs this year because I don't think the Vikings are going to be an excellent team competing in the playoffs. I felt like the Rams were far better. We'll just have to see how next season goes for the Rams, but it was just a heartbreaking loss for them. And meanwhile, for the 49ers, they're one game closer to winning their division, may possibly hosting a number one seed in the playoffs. Um, and it's not like their offense was on all cylinders. They lost six sacks. But again, Jimmy Garoppolo was in a situation where he can bail his team out. And he wasn't scrambling, but rather finding receivers as fast as possible under duress identifying the coverage that we're in, and then finding a wide-open receiver. And one of those third, third and 16 conversions, he found Emmanuel Sanders for 57 yards, and then he kicked a 33-yard field goal for the win. I'm not saying Jared Goff can't identify those coverages either. I'm just saying throughout the season, the offensive line for the 49ers has, much, has far been better than the Rams' offensive line. Um, so again, this, this is going to be a very a competitive game this weekend between the Niners and Seahawks, but, um, Niners did just enough with their passing attack to get over, uh, over, uh, the 50 yard line over the 40 and so forth to be able to get in the position to win this game. And they did. Bills versus Patriots goal line stand gives Patriots 11th consecutive division title. The Bills were leading this game, and then they didn't. They struggled to stop the run, in which the Patriots were able to establish the run, which with play action really helped the receivers and tight ends get open. It made Tom Brady comfortable. And it's not like the Bills have a terrible run defense. They're excellent. But the Patriots also have an excellent coaching staff. And they have the running backs to go over 100 yards. It just hasn't been a consistent ground game. But in this game, they were consistent, excellent. They ended up winning 24-17. Now, the Patriots defense did everything they could to slow down Josh Allen. He's definitely a quarterback that's big, of course, strong um, and athletic. And he was part of the reason why the Bills were even able to convert third and longs. Third and shorts, fourth and shorts, because they called run plays or he scrambled to get those first downs. So again, the Bills is they're not a consistent offensive passing attack, or when they call passing plays, they certainly are they certainly don't get 300 yards passing. They certainly aren't as consistent. Their rushing attack is consistent, but man, Josh Allen was all the reason why when he threw up basically a prayer on a fourth and goal, had Cole Beasley been able to catch the ball over the corner, that would have been a touchdown. But evidently, that ball was batted to the ground. End of the game. Great game. Um, 
looking forward to see how the Bills compete in the playoffs. And same thing for Patriots. Texans versus Bucks. Turnovers doomed the Bucks. There was five turnovers in this game. Four of them, of course, belonged to Jameis Winston. He threw four interceptions. I think there was a fumble by a running back. Uh, Houston won 23 to 20. Uh, Houston's passing attack did not go well, or at least it wasn't effective. That's literally their, their identity. They called a lot of run plays, surprisingly, which I think is because of the Buccaneers' pass rush, which has been uh, the uh, key stat or their best thing defensively is not only their pass rush, but also their run defense. Their run defense is currently ranked first in the NFL, and yet they're ranked 30th in, in the NFL for passing yards. And yet, with Houston's game plan, they decided to run the ball a lot, which they barely got anything out of it. Which also isn't their identity, but I guess Bill O'Brien thought it was effective to run the ball this week, or at least planning against the Buccaneers, and it evidently, evidently did not work. But they got some big play-action plays going. They did get some pass plays over 25 yards plus connected because, um, again, their identity has been intermediate to deep throws, um, enabled, and they were able to score enough points to get to 23, and which also includes a pick six, which, again, enabled Houston to win this game and clinch their division and be in the playoffs this year. That was a lot of reviewing, but also those games I just reviewed or at least detailed more on uh, more on uh, was were important. And so now we're going to preview games coming up uh, Packers versus Lions. Packers defense is key in this game. If they can stop the run, which again, the Lions do not have an effective writing attack. But if you have, if you're going against a team that's weak against the run, you'll be able to at least get some things going. And if this Packers can stop the run, they'll be okay. Jets versus Bills, meaningless. Dolphins versus, versus Pats. Uh, Fitzpatrick versus the Pats secondary. Last team, last time these teams met was week two. Patriots won 43 to nothing. Uh, Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions in that game. But again, he's got the targets to throw to. And that's the only way they're going to beat, uh, the Patriots. Their defense is really not as fantastic. I mean, they're, they're average, but. You know, going going average defensively against the Patriots offense is not bowl well for you. Yes, I know the Patriots offense has been consistent, but they do have an excellent quarterback. They do have an excellent O-line. They have an excellent coaching staff. They always score points somehow. Um, and they have Julian Elliman. So, again, this key uh, for the Dolphins, if they're trying to win this game, is passing the ball against the Patriots secondary. Bears versus Vikings, meaningless. Chargers versus Chiefs, both teams needing to rely on the run game. Both teams have fantastic pass rushers. Both teams do have players in the secondary that can get interceptions. Um, both teams do have fantastic weapons offensively. Um, but the key here is the ground game. If one of the teams establishes a ground game while also effectively uh, connecting on play-action passes, they'll most likely win this game. Whichever team, again, establishes the run. Browns versus Bengals, meaningless. Saints versus Panthers. If the Saints really win this game and have 
the 49ers lose and the Packers lose, they'll be the number one seed. But the key here is, is basically not turning over the ball, but also, again, um, is containing Christian McCaffrey, which has been the only way the Panthers have been able to at least move the ball offensively is giving it to Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. And they really just handle those two, the Saints will win this game. Or at least have an opportunity to win this game. Falcons versus Bucks. As I mentioned before, if the Falcons win this upcoming weekend, Arthur Blank, the owner, will have a decision whether to keep Dan Quinn for another year or not. Colts versus Jags, meaningless game. Eagles versus Giants. Eagles pass rush is a key. Again, um, Daniel Jones has targets to throw to. They know what their identity is, which is uh, passing a lot of short plays or at least getting the ball out quick. That is their bread and butter. It's not running the ball with Shaquan Barkley, but it's also getting the ball with Shaquan Barkley, but it's been a lot of receptions from him, not a lot of carries. Um, to neutralize the Eagles' pass rush. But if they can't get that going, uh, it's going to be a long day for Daniel Jones. Cards versus Rams, meaningless. Steelers versus Ravens. Steelers cannot botch his opportunity. Look, the Ravens are starting their backup quarterback, RG3, which, again, will give their... Which, at least... Both quarterbacks are similar, but one is far more athletic and better. It's Lamar. So Steelers don't have to worry about Lamar. But, you know, if they contain RG3 and their offense can actually score points against the Ravens' backup players on defense, they'll win this game. But the key for the Steelers' offense, if they're trying to move the ball, it's it's ground attack. That's literally the only thing. Mason Rudolph and Devin Hodges... They're not good. They're going to rely on the running attack. Titans versus Texans. Heavy use of play action by Houston will probably be the key to this game. Not only, one, not only again, to win, but the Chiefs lose. They'll get the third seed in the playoff um, uh, positioning. And again, last time these teams met, yes, Houston won. But late in the late in the fourth quarter, Houston was able were able to get the ball going by running the ball, and were able to milk the clock. Although Titans were able to get the, get the ball and score and be able to at least attempt an outside kick, they missed that. But they still had ten seconds left on the clock to run a play. Got sacked. Game over. But Houston did not really effectively pass the ball. Their identity um, was not effective against the Titans, um, but they hardly used play action. So that's the key here for Houston is, okay, if your identity is deep or intermediate to deep routes, um, but it didn't work last time against the Titans and you were forced to run the ball, if that gets going, then do play action. Because, again, you've got fast receivers you have an all-pro receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. You have, again, an excellent quarterback. So is play action the key here for Houston? Derek Carr's performance. That's it against the Broncos. Raiders versus Broncos. If Derek Carr plays well, I do think the Raiders will win because the Broncos offense 
It's not fantastic. It's, again, ground-dependent. And, yes, I know Drew Locke has done well these past three games, but if the Raiders can contain the run and their secondary is able to bracket Noah Faint and Cortland Sutton and their offense under Derek Carr does well, they'll win this game. Uh, they just need a few other key things to happen in order for them to make the playoffs. Redskins versus Cowboys. Give it to Zeke and Pollard. That's literally it. The Redskins are ranked 29th in run defense, but they're ranked 12th in the secondary. Give it to Zeke and Pollard and you'll win. Pass it with a bang shoulder against a good secondary, you'll lose. That simple. 49ers versus Seahawks. Jimmy G versus Seahawks defense. Last time these teams met, I pointed out, I think again, Jimmy G versus Seahawks defense, because the 49ers defense, despite how young and talented they are, really struggled to contain Russell Wilson, and he was a huge reason why um, the the Seahawks won that game in overtime, 27-24. to But I do think, again, it's going to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo versus the Seahawks defense, because Russell Wilson is phenomenal QB. And that Seahawks defense is below average. And so, again, if your ground game does not get going, but yet you got the weapons to throw to, and you're an excellent quarterback, you have an opportunity to win this game. Your defense is going to do everything they can to handle Russell Wilson. So, again, that the biggest key here is the Seahawks defense can't stop Jimmy G. They'll lose this game. No matter if they had the ball first or they have the ball last. Um, trying to, Russell Wilson tried to play catch up that enables the 49ers defense to just blitz or rely heavily on their pass rushers, which does not bode well for Russell Wilson because the offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, is ranked 31st in pass protection. So, he's really the reason why the Seahawks are 11 4 this year. So, uh, but that's it in terms of reviewing and previewing these games. Again, episode 9 will come up this weekend of my Series 1 take, and I'll talk about the potential head coaching jobs coming up for the offseason. But nevertheless, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, I know it was a long episode, but a lot of things need to be talked about. And nevertheless, have a kick-ass day, y'all.